Welcome to the 36th episode of Delica, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tangkilisan. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week we're going to talk about the new governor of Jakarta, Anis Baswedan, and his controversial speech in which he used the word pribumi. And we're going to unpack exactly why that's very problematic and hashtag racist. And how he's launching his hashtag Make Indonesia Great Again campaign. And <laughs> it's true. Not really, but kind of really. And we're going to talk about uh, other politicians' reactions to that or non-reactions to that. And we're also going to talk about the historical context of the word pribumi and why it's problematic, you know, stemming from its use during Dutch colonial times to its use during the Suharto's New Order and even today. And keep in mind when we're discussing this, this is not just his speech, but in context of his future candidacy as the first pribumi president of Indonesia. And listeners, be prepared for the return of Sassy, Stephanie, and Sweden. Because we just can't right now. We're back. So, here's to it. Dulu kita semua pribumi ditindas dan dikalahkan. Kini telah merdeka. Kini saatnya kita menjadi tuan rumah di negeri sendiri. So what you just heard was a segment of Anis's speech where he used the word pribumi. And for our non-Indonesian speaking listeners, I'm going to translate a portion of it. Uh, he said that. Jakarta is one of the few places in Indonesia that has felt the presence of colonizers in everyday life for hundreds of years. We pribumi were oppressed and defeated by colonialism. Now that we're free, it is time for us to reclaim our homeland. So I think here it's important to note that Anis used the word pribumi, which means inlander, which for non-Indonesian listeners means of the land, and it refers to indigenous Indonesians or um, basically, people who are Indonesian and whose ancestors originally were from Indonesia as opposed to like Arab, Indian, or Chinese. So the original way this was set apart was that there are three classes in old Dutch colonial history in which you have the Dutch, um, and then there's the Chinese, Arabs, and Indians who usually were the merchant class or the administrators who helped the Dutch kind of operate their empire. And then the um, native, quote, quote, native Indonesians. It was a policy of segregation, right? You mm -hmm. have a clear demarcation of like, who is the lowest class? Who's the middle class? And who's the highest class? The highest class are the whites, the Europeans. You know, the middle class are the foreign orientalists, the Chinese, Arabs, and Indians. And the lowest class are the pribumi. And it was... The exception would be the royal Javanese or royal... Um, different parts of like the royal families of different areas but in the same way they also like the Arabs and Chinese and Indians help the administration but the idea is that you, they're trying to create this rift between you know non-pribumis or Chinese and Arabs Indians as like sympathizers or people who help colonize but actually everyone 
who are given the opportunity to advance himself and not die and have regular food for their family did help perpetuate the like Dutch empire. And I think what's also important to know about using the word pribumi is that it sets apart an other immediately. Like there's a pribumi and there's a non-pribumi. And in this case, almost exclusively since the colonial era, non-pribumi really means Chinese. There's no, like anybody who hears that word mm-hmm. and you're Indonesian, you know what that means. Right, because especially for Chinese Indonesians, when the May 98 riots happened... They targeted Chinese Indonesian homes and offices. And to make your home or office safe, you would write on the walls, Milik Pribumi or owned by Pribumi, which means that, you know, don't loot us because this isn't, this isn't owned by Chinese. And like this concept of being owed wealth, mm-hmm. the Chinese have taken over the wealth as like a big driver of the sentiment. And it goes back to Suharto's policies in which he created the Chinese Indonesian minority as a scapegoat for all his economic problems and his failures as a dictator. And, you know, that's a big part of that too. Like it's one thing it was created by the Dutch, but it was perpetuated by the Suharto regime, right? Yeah, and I think historically, you know, people in power, like certain groups in power in Indonesia has on one side you know, antagonized and created animosity against the Chinese, but on the other side also like, hey, if we need economic help, can you help us out? I would go further to say then it's not just help us out. It is they expect Chinese Indonesian conglomerates and businesses to back them up. Otherwise, they would have kind of like retribution. (laughs) To put it lightly. (laughs) To put it lightly. So as you can see, like, you know, there's a lot of loaded history and racial dynamics that are uh, involved when somebody uses the word pribumi and it is very disconcerting when the new governor of Jakarta who's going to be there for five years on his very first act as governor in his inauguration speech uses the word just like that this speech sounds like a revolutionary campaign speech well on one hand it sounds like a revolutionary speech as if you're fighting for independence and on, on the other hand it also sounds like a candidate speech where you're fighting for the presidency so <laughs> Hashtag make Indonesia great again. Hey, isn't that... This is what we're talking about here with uh, Anis's talk. Yeah. So Anis gave the speech in front of a huge group of people on his first day in office on October 16th as the new governor of Jakarta. And pretty much immediately after the speech was given, um, a lot of Indonesian netizens came out in protest of... Anis's words, saying that he shouldn't have used the word pribumi. He's creating, uh, the use of the word is racist, and he's creating divisions, and he's discriminating against the non-pribumi in Indonesia. But then, of course, there's another side of it where a bunch of netizens also came out in support of Anis and said, oh yeah, I'm a pribumi. I totally agree with you. What you said is true. I'm going to support you. And it's created this division within Indonesian society And it's a dangerous division because it's tapping into these really deep-seated anxieties about racial politics and ethnic politics, right? Also, it's important to note that Anis is not ignorant in what he's using. So the way I think this speech is crafted, I think he tried to create a pretext in order to say that... I'm not saying pribumi in the Chinese and non-Indonesian sense. I'm um, saying this in the sense of like we're not colonized by the Dutch, but... The way he coded his language was also to be understood by those who want to hear that 
you know, the fault of the economy is with Chinese Indonesians who also hear just that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he has plausible deniability in terms of saying that he's talking about the Dutch. Because it makes no sense. Why would he suddenly be saying something about the Dutch so long after they've gone? And, like, it, it doesn't make sense to me how... Yeah. Like, it's, I feel like it's a half-hearted attempt to try create some sort of legitimate cover. Which is interesting because... Um, this was the speech he had on the podium, right? Like, this is what he wanted to project. Whereas in the interview he had with Sandy and Matanachua on YouTube, which you would know so if you're on YouTube. Um, Sorry, folks, I'm not on YouTube. He, he and Sandy talked about reuniting Jakarta, and it doesn't matter if people don't like them, but it's time for us to all unite and talk and be one province and one city again, right? Um, so I think there's a clear segmentation on YouTube and in front of Nachua, they wanted to project this image of unity. Mm-hmm. And this idea, maybe if they're on YouTube, it'll be a different kind of netizen class, whereas people who would be seeing it maybe on TV, they could also be seeing it in a different light. Yeah. But he is someone who is savvy in terms of political optics and how it would appear to people. Mm-hmm. This was There's definitely like malice and intention here in the way he worded his first speech. So this might be a strange comparison, but as we talk about this, I am really reminded of Tahinisi Coates' article in The Atlantic titled The First White President. So Tahinisi Coates, for Indonesian listeners, is um African-American journalist who writes a lot about race and is an amazing writer, journalist, and he, everybody should buy his book. We were eight years in power and between the world and me. Um, um, you should prepare a tissue box because it's going to be sad. But it's so so real, yeah. so real. But, but seriously, Asians also need to understand why Black Lives Matter and um, yes. be woke regarding issues of side note uh, racism. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so he made this point about Donald Trump being the first white president of America, and I'm quoting here. But that is the point of white supremacy to ensure that which all others achieve with maximal effort, white people particularly white men, achieve with minimal qualification. Barack Obama delivered to black people the hoary message that if they work twice as hard as white people, anything is possible. But Trump's counter is persuasive. Work half as hard as black people, and even more is possible. So this is definitely not like 100% analogous, but what I'm trying to say here is that Anis is the first Bribubi governor of Jakarta. Uh, in the sense of saying that... Um, he did not campaign on his competence. He campaigned on the, partly on the fact that he is Primumi and Ahok is not, right? And when Ahok had to campaign and appear to other people that he was such a hard worker, that he worked so late in the night and he was so not corrupt and so clean, and Anis really failed as an educations minister. Like, he was pretty much let go because he was incompetent 
<laughs> That's a whole other shoe. To that, please listen to our previous episode um, on Anis Vasvedan. We need to talk about Anis. But yeah, so like. Yeah, I mean, right? Like Aho, who has worked his ass off for the last few years, you know, there are tangible results of what he's done, right? And then Anis, he just needs to go talk to some of the most extremist figures in Indonesian society right now, and he's fine. Right. Uh, you know, he doesn't need to work hard. He just needs to know the right people, right? And that's that's something that I think also is implicit about what Tadanisi quotes is saying about Trump. The first white president co-opting that identity and turning it into a um, an identity to defend, which I think is what Anis is also doing. You know, he is co-opting the Pribumi identity and turning it into an identity that's being attacked by other people. And so we must defend the Pribumi identity. It's easy for people who are supporting him, who doesn't know the entire context of what's going on, to be like, yeah, I'm a Pribumi as well. I'm going to, I feel like I'm being attacked economically, socially, so I'm going to go with you as well. And so I think that's why it's, it's this co-opting of identity that I find so problematic. So given that we're like talking about other politicians, the reaction from other politicians is pretty concerning. Mm Mm-hmm. And these are not just like your... And it's not just like people in his party. It's like the Indonesian vice president, Yusuf Kala. Mr. Jaka. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> are we surprised though? No, we really are not. So he said, um, uh, what well, he said, he came out in defense of Ani saying what Ani said was taken out of context and he was actually talking about colonialism. He said, don't just cut to one word, but please see what he is saying in context. He's talking about, in the colonial context, we need to... To rise up. Uh, I mean, yeah. he's totally buying the honest sort of like argument of like, it's only about colonialism, guys. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, because the Dutch That's has so still naive. been here and it's like relevant now. But what's another? What's another? Um, what's another big one? You know, a lot of other politicians are kind of like, even the president is, well, he doesn't want to comment on it, which I think is itself indicative of how charged the situation is. And Claim. <laughs> uh, so as listeners, as you can hear, like a lot of politicians are coming out left and right with their own sort of like reasoning of why Anis used this word pribumi and why it's okay. And actually for the politicians, it just, this should not even be a discussion that it's okay. I think what's also important to note is that all of these ministers are, for the most part, Pribumi themselves. Oh, yeah. We forgot to say that. Um, so that definitely probably goes into it because there are so few Chinese-Indonesian ministers that representation is definitely a problem and probably why they think it's not a big deal. No. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, there, there's no Chinese-Indonesian politician that's comfortable defending or, like, coming out in favor of this. But the point is that what they're doing is technically a gray area in Indonesian law. Um, in September 1998, then-President B.J. Habibi issued an official presidential instruction that sought to ban the use of the term pribumi and non pribumi by the government, and recognizing that these are incredibly divisive and confrontational words. And Habibi came out with this presidential instruction in September 1998, four months after May 1998, one of the most racially destructive tragedies and events in recent Indonesian history. And now he knows what the, what these words and the underlying racial tension can lead to. 
So it's no joke when he created this instruction, when he says like nobody, no government official should be using the words pre-boomy or non-pre-boomy because he's seen what happened. We've seen what happened. (laughs) And this is not, this is not all. In 2008, a law was passed that prohibited racial and ethnic discrimination and clarified that I'm saying pre-boomy is racist. Mm hmm. So we have a governor who is happy to use racist terms that are legally supposed to be not allowed. And yeah, hashtag not my governor. <laughs> yes, not my governor. Um, and using it in a way sort of like promoting its use by others, right? You know, right after his speech, the hashtag Sayapribumi became a trending topic on Twitter. Side note, this is how many people in Indonesia uses Twitter. Like, they can easily take down their entire website with a random hashtag. Uh, But, you know, people are now more than happy to use that word, even though by law, you're not allowed to use it. So as you can see, previous presidents have clearly seen the danger of the word pribumi and its loaded nature. And I think right now we're entering into a political space and situation where a very few high-ranking ministers and high-ranking politicians as well as potential presidential candidates have that sort of like wisdom to understand that you just can't use this word willy-nilly for your own political gain because you're going to drive this country into a situation that's been in and recreate the tragedy and violence that we've all lived through only like 20 years ago i mean i don't want to even say 20 years ago when ahok was attempted to be deposed there were a lot of signs saying ganyang china you know? Yeah. Um, Lynch the Chinese. Kill the Chinese Indonesians. That was last year. Yeah. In that Islamic Defenders Front, 100,000 people march, or how many ever, 100,000. It's a debatable topic. Um, <laughs> Hashtag fake it, news. <laughs> seriously. Um, and I remember all of us being worried about if it's going to get worse. And that trauma is very, very fresh to us. And. Um, I feel like a lot of us are just, we feel like, like in May 98, that situations can turn really badly really quickly because in May 98, it was pretty much a time of, I mean, there was the Asian financial crisis, but it was relatively a time of peace. There was no war. The government was still functional. The military was supposed to still be functional. Yeah. So with the politicians like this, I feel like I don't know if, if things become bad again, if anyone will speak up for us. You know, the reason why we want to talk about this is not only to call out Anis for his use of a racist term, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly, it's racist, uh, but also because we know he has presidential ambitions and we know the people supporting him has presidential ambitions so it's hard not to talk about what he's saying without mentioning the upcoming 2019 presidential elections we're coming into a wholly different political environment than the 2014 one where arguably people were galvanized i think by jokowi and aho's performance as the governor of jakarta Mm -hmm. and i think Anis has looked at that model. It's like, oh, Jokowi was governor. He became president. I can do that. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> You're, you are not. This- never say never. <laughs> First, we will be president, right? Oh, God. 
Uh, so even... I think like three years ago, the country was in such high hopes. I think you know there was legitimately it felt like an Obama moment, where we were like we have a really great young president. The country's future seems bright. The political future seems bright, and now. Uh, two years until 2019, I'm deeply worried about the kind of political rhetoric that's being bandied around by potential presidential candidates. And it's scary. It's scary times, I think, to think about what if Jokowi doesn't win? What if he's faced against an opposition that will harness this nativist populist um, speech to violent extremes, right? So I think one thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that although the older Indonesians are um, reinforcing this racism, a lot of young Indonesian Prihumi allies are speaking up about it and like we're an uproar about it, including our former guest, uh, Afu, in her video. We'll give that link. Um, you know, talking about how what they're doing is wrong. And I really hope that more and more young Indonesians take up that cause and understand that we too are Indonesians. Yeah, and that this kind of talk has no place at all in Indonesian society. In our democracy, in our society, and in our lives. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us on these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's stephtank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!